Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Unnamed English Minds podcast, the podcast still reeling from some late drop points. My name's Connor and joining me to discuss the weekend's game is the one and only Sheridan. Hello Espan. Hiya Connor, how you doing mate? Uh, I am not that bad, uh, but you know, could be better, how are you? I'm still hurting, I'll be honest with you, I haven't recovered from uh, Sunday's game yet. Yeah, no, it's a cruel, cruel sport that we follow. Anyway, we have a lot to discuss this week from the first home game of the season. Um, a game against some local rivals, the upcoming end of the transfer window, and a lot, lot more. Um, but first, we did ask for some listener contributions on Twitter. Um, we are UEMP05 on Twitter, in case you, for some reason, have found this and are not following us on there. Um, and I think one of them is the perfect place to start. So we got one from Stephen saying, um, with it being the first home game, can you describe a typical match day experience? Looking to come over for my first game from Belfast this season. So Sheridan, what would you say um, about the match day experience at Mines? First of all, Stephen, great decision, mate. Um, best German experience there is. Debatable, but, you know, we're biased for a reason. We love this football club. Um, it depends what you do. So with us, we um, we have our spot at the train station. and We all meet there a couple hours before the game. And it's kind of everything you expect of a German match day experience. We stand around with a group of mates. We drink some beers. We talk about the football. Um, we drink some more beers. We head up to the stadium um, where we go and stand on the terrace. We drink some more beers, we talk about some more football, we eat a bratwurst, we drink some more beers, we talk some more about the football, we watch the football, um, and then we go home and we drink some more beers. And I think that's just a general German match day experience. It's the stereotype, exactly what you want as a tourist. Yeah, I think um, 100%. Um, I think one of the things that I always find interesting that's different in how I follow Mainz to how I follow my English team back at home, um, Swindon, um, is that because it's all sort of standing, I feel like I have to get up there earlier. Obviously, I'm happy to sort of go and wait and have a beer in the stadium. Um, yesterday, we got our places probably about an hour and a half before the game began, and we just sort of stood there having a bit of a chat, checking social media. I had a pretzel. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's much more of like, a for me at least, a bit more of an all-day thing in terms of, yeah, once I'm, when I make the commitment to go to the stadium, then... You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be there for a short time. Um, it takes a, a large part of the day. So, I uh, yeah, I, the atmosphere as well is just something very different in terms of it's just so, so much more kind of constant. Um, you know, if I if I look at, like, my... I have, like, a smartwatch. If I look at, like, what, what my heart rate's been doing throughout the game, I feel like I've played the, <laughs> played the thing, let alone <laughs> being on the terrace. I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's just such a, like, visceral experience. And, like, once you are on that terrace... Um, then yeah, you, like you really feel like you're part of the experience, which is always a good, good, fun thing. Yeah, yeah. What I want to say with my point is, is that it's not necessarily just a booze up. Of course, it is, and that's you know that's what we expect. And to a certain extent, it is. You're allowed obviously to drink on the terrace in front of the uh, in front of the pitch. You can drink openly on the streets of Germany. So there is, in comparison, if you compare it to the United Kingdom, at least um, there is or there is more of a alcoholic uh, part to it. Um, but for me, it's just more of a social experience. So in England, there is, um, you know, you, you turn up normally in the game, maybe five minutes after kickoff, and you if your team's doing badly, you leave 10 minutes before the end. Um, whereas in Germany, it's very much, you know, we're, like you say, we're here an hour and a half to an hour before the game. To make sure you've got a good place. Make yeah. sure you've got an actual spot on the terrace. Um, you leave maybe half an hour after the, the full-time whistle because 
you, you'd carried on chatting to someone or you've not finished your beer yet or you know you're clapping the players off singing that final song with the ultras for the players and it's just a more all-round social experience um and it, it it's much more involving i find you know in, in the united kingdom you kind of watch the game and you shout and you slag the opposition off or you slag your own players off and and whatnot whereas in germany everybody's kind of very much for the team unless it's gone catastrophically wrong which happens occasionally <laughs> um, we've seen enough times with minds over the years um yeah but the the match day experience like you said, is this fulfilling kind of all day thing yeah i think i think as well i think i like the fact that i now get to see it from both sides of being a fan of a club here in germany and then also still being a fan of my um, club back at home um in terms of you know, it's just two different ways of sort of looking at the game in, in a certain way. So a lot of the time it's not even there's better or worse. It's just nice noticing some of the differences and enjoying um, those differences as well. Um, but yeah, with that all said, we've gone on for five minutes about um, how it felt to be back. Was it uh, was it an exciting thing um, to be back in the stadium, Sherrod? Oh, mate, it was brilliant. It, I missed it. I missed going to the to the Europa Kaisel. It's, um, it's such a special feeling being at that, especially as a foreign fan to have, you've not necessarily grown up with the team, but you been integrated into something and to feel so part of something that you arrived in as a stranger is is this wonderful feeling um and it was no different obviously frankfurt coming across the across the river to see us um local rivals as you were whether we're going to call it a derby or not is up for debate i don't think it's a derby um but they're certainly rivals um so there's that added atmosphere anyway you know it was sold out um, and then an hour before kickoff, the team lineup came out, and we thought, "Oh, we've had, we've made some changes here, and 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 everyone's getting excited about this young team that's that's going to come out and, and perform for us on the pitch that afternoon." Um, and yeah, it was just a brilliant experience to be back, as it always is. All right, let's jump into some of the analysis then. Um, I think the team selection is the perfect place to start. Um, there were some changes, some of them forced. Some of them maybe not quite so forced. So if we go through, um, Philip Mvina, who signed during the week, went straight back into the team, um, replacing Danny da Costa, um, playing a left back with um, Anthony Cassi going over to the right. Um, Stefan Bell was replaced at the heart of defence by uh, Zep van den Berg uh, for the youngsters' first start. Um, and then with uh, Karo Manisovo missing due to flu, uh, the midfield was reshuffled a little bit. Stack played, um, pushed up on the right um, alongside Lee. Um, and Dominic Corr moved from his ill-fated uh, centre-back position into midfield and then we had Maxim Leitch slotting in um, for the um, back three. That was his first start since mid-September 2022. I wrote here yesterday when I was doing the running order. Um, and then finally, so the game was announced with Jorge playing up front. Um, Nelson Viper eventually took his place with um, the Frenchman getting a knock during the warm-up as well. So in total, there was four changes, three of them that were in the lineup and then one that ended up taking the position. So it was a little bit different. What was your impressions seeing that an hour before the game? I was so excited. I was really excited with the lineup. Um, I was talking to the lads around me um, about the the defence that we'd gone with. And Vena, we spoke about on the podcast last week. We was like, okay, he's going to come in and be a solid option. We're not, you know, a hundred percent sure, but he's he's definitely offers something. Um, so it was interesting to say, okay, we you know we thrown him straight back in in the cold end as well, maybe the lukewarm end because he's played for us before. So isn't it the deep end? You should, you yeah. get thrown into cold water if you're new into that. No, just we're just cross, crossing the the, the, the lukewarm middle deep end. We'll go with that. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, with, with Leitch coming back, we'd like be saying he's almost like a new signing because he missed so much of last season. Fantenberg is, is this... Is a, is a new signing. Is a new signing. Yeah. And he's, he's just young and exciting anyway. Um, Eddie Fernandez, we know what he's all about. Anthony Cassie, we know what he's all about. And it was great to, to think, okay, you know, we've looked at what's happened last week. We've been forced into maybe a change, but we're going to you know trust a couple of the new signings from the start. Um, and then the, the midfield, pushing Stachy further up, I thought was brilliant. Getting Core out of the centre of defence and putting him back in the centre of midfield where he's good at and where he continues to show that he's good at at this level. Um, and then, yeah, OK, it's a shame that Ajork missed out because of injury, but the lad Nelson Viper that's come through our youth academy, he is a Mainzer. Um, to see him get his first Bundesliga start is, as an 18-year-old is, is always exciting anyway. So, yeah. I was very positive vibes running through the terrace before the game. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one with Viper in terms of, um, yeah, just him getting that big opportunity because we've seen him for sort of little bits here and there, but um, I haven't seen a full game of his and uh, obviously he didn't play the whole game, but we saw plenty of him and uh, I did like what I saw, but we'll get into that um, as we go along. Um, so in terms of the game as it started, um, how, how do you think the opening sort of exchanges went? Much better than uh, we've seen already this season. We didn't concede. So we didn't concede yeah. within sixty seconds. Honestly, it was it's just positive. I I feel like last week on the podcast I was just negative, but I feel like today that I can actually come out and say how exciting things were and how positive things were. Um, we solidified from last week. Not only just not conceding twice within ten minutes, but also didn't allow Frankfurt to play any football. We controlled a lot of the ball. Didn't necessarily create big chances. I don't think we tested the goalkeeper within the first sort of 20 minutes. No, um, not really, no. And then there, were, there were a couple of moments as well where they kind of were able to get in on a counter as well, which I think is the nature of having quite a lot of the ball in their half that they were able to break from deep. Um, I remember a couple of points where I think it was uh, Philip Max and Colin Mouani slipping over at the far post, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, but I did I, I, it did kind of worry me about what was to come, but thankfully, you know, they yeah. didn't punish us in those moments and we went on to punish them. So. Exactly, that's the thing. I think we, we limited them to counter opportunities and those counters were one or two lads breaking through the lines rather than uh, anything else. So that was that was fairly positive. Um, and then halfway through, the, midway through the first half, we, we won a penalty um, for for handball which was then through VAR correctly taken away um, Vipers picked the ball up on the edge of the box and fired it at the defender from about five yards away who's clearly turned to take his take the, his hand away from the ball with his hand tucked into his chest as well and like it has struck his elbow um, but it's it's never a penalty in a million years so that was correctly taken away um, and then five minutes later the, uh, the first goal the big moment the first big moment of the game uh, yeah, I mean, so this one was a bit of a weird one as well in terms of, I think, quite often you're looking at a goal wanting a bit of a moment of release and I don't think we really got that from this in terms of, it is a really weird goal. It is. So, um, ball goes into the area, Kevin Trapp decides to just jump into one of his end defenders, drops the ball, <laughs> decides to wait for the flag. Uh, Jason Lee's not having any of it, sort of chips the ball with his head. It's a headed goal that goes over everyone into the back of the net. 
Uh, but it's one of those weird ones where basically the referee kind of points in a direction, but it's not really in any general direction. So it's not clear if it was a, ga- a goal or a foul. Um, the goal music goes on for like a beat and then stops. The team immediately just started kind of trying to celebrate but looking to the ref. And I was like, I don't know if I can celebrate this until the ball's back in play. Uh, so it was one of those things. They put the goal music back on eventually. The, the players were celebrating. And I was just like, well, you know, you know the, the protection that goalkeepers get. You know, Nelson Viper's gone up close to Kevin Trapp, got nowhere near him. Um, and, you know, it, there's no foul there at all. And you can pretty much see that in real time as well. Um, but yeah, you just worry that like, oh well, they'll just find any reason to protect the goalkeeper and take it back because it just looks like such a ridiculous goal to have happened. Yeah, I'm, and thankfully we got lucky. A hundred percent. Yeah. So like, we we didn't stand together during the game, but I'm glad we saw things in in the same way because uh, when when I saw the ball go over the line, I was halfway down the terrace celebrating, and it wasn't until a mate grabbed me and pulled me back and said, "Hold on, I'm not sure this goal's going to stand." But we looked up. Um, and saw the referee was it looked like he was pointing in the direction of trap uh, to which I thought was I've seen a foul there therefore I'm pointing at the free kick and yeah. then they do the movement to to point back up the play to say the free kick's in that direction turns out he wasn't pointing for a free kick at all he was just pointing a trap and laughing at him for <laughs> <laughs> not being able to catch a football yeah no I mean yeah I think do you know what like he, there were a lot of fouls in this game. I've, I don't, I've statistically, it felt like a lot anyway. I think the ref was very uh, like finicky. Like he was very particular about things. So you know, it probably it wasn't actually biased towards either team. Obviously, it was one of those things of you know, I'm just gonna give everything that looks like a foul. I think we got kind of unlucky in that we were playing much more on the borderline than Frankfurt were. Um, so that it ended up just meaning that we gave away quite a lot of fouls. Um, but. It was one of, yeah, it's one of those things where I noticed that he wasn't pointing in the correct direction when he's giving fouls. And I was so yeah, you were looking at the thing and I was like, that could be anything. Like that I have no idea what that means. He was just pointing completely at the wrong angle. I have no it, idea. It was one of those weird performances from a referee. Like I'm not gonna come out and slate him because I don't think he had the worst game in the world, but exactly like you say, he was extremely particular about certain things. And he let other things go, and it got to a point where you're watching the game, and from a neutral perspective, you're looking at a foul, a foul potentially in the centre of the park, for example, going, yeah, okay, that's not a foul. And by the time I followed the ball, he's blown up, and you think, what on earth is he given there? And then suddenly you see someone getting cleaned out and kicked into the stands, and you're like, oh, no, play on, let's he's, he's won the ball there. And you think, what? You know, a bit of consistency here is needed, because... He just didn't know. And to skip forward in the game slightly, I think that's what ended up getting Bo Svensson so rattled and what actually got the Frankfurt coach as rattled as well. He's like, actually, okay, fair enough. You know, if you're going to blow for that, blow for it every time. If you're not going to blow for it, then don't blow for it at all. You don't get to pick and choose based on the way the game is flowing. It's either a foul or it isn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think he was a lot more consistent than it felt emotionally in the moment. But it was just like, it was every, it was just any kind of like sort of like nippy little foul that a lot of refs will just continue to let go because it's just you know how football is played sometimes but anyway I think that was a, a little brief aside um, the end of the second half was pretty good from our perspective as well like Frankfurt had a brief rally during injury time but really the only sort of main chance I can think of that was like guilt edged was our own one where sort of um, Viper uh, plays in core who um, sort of mm. fires wide and it's probably the only good chance after our goal really yeah yeah, it's probably one of those that you think you have to hit the target there, but tight angle, tight, tight angle, side, yeah. and yeah, you know it's gone wide. All right, um, 
but but Frankfurt didn't create any chances going forward, any real guilt-edged chances going forward anyway. So it was, okay, we've missed this one. We probably should have scored it. But it, certainly at the end of the first half, I didn't think we're going to concede now, so we have to score this. Yeah, okay. So half-time, I would say, is a good time to discuss another question that we received, and this time from um, Fabian, who says, first of all, great to have you lads around this beautiful club of ours. What I think you guys could discuss is how our newly composed defensive line worked out and how you think Nelly did in his first appearance as a starter. So if we start with the defensive line, um, how do you like those three um, playing together? I thought they were brilliant. I, I said, I think I texted you at half time and said, Sepp Vandenberg is the greatest footballer I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. He was immaculate in the first 45 minutes. For a 21 year old lad to look as experienced on the pitch as he did. Um, I thought was brilliant and Leitchi came back in and did a solid job as well looks like a totally different player to what we had at the beginning of last season um, I, I, a glowing glowing review from me for the, for the back five yeah um, I would have to agree I think Fernandez always looks better on the right hand side of a three than on the left hand side of a three I think if I was to look back at the positive performances of his from last season I think a lot of them came before we brought Hanja Olsen in and he was playing on the right of the three um, and yeah I think if you look at this game in particular that sort of 70 minutes or so where he was playing on the right side rather than the left was definitely his best bit of the, the game as well um, and, and then like you say I, Vandenberg really impressed me a lot I think he's so unfussy just cool calm and collected um, and just as well just like a very secret shit house in terms of like he was just always leaving one in but the referee wasn't seeing it 100% he's, he's clearly a footballer that has grown up in England just like the little elbow here the little trip there just you're being a bit too strong on the on the touchline nudging your man in into touch um, but like you say he was so unfussy about it he just dealt with things he pedaled back he'd nod the ball away he'd pick the ball up he'd play a short five yard pass He'd whack the ball into Rose Ed when he needed to do. And if someone looked like it was going to run beyond him, he'd check to see where the referee was and then kick him into touch as well. Yeah, and just like little blocks as well, just like, you know, covering a run and then they, they, they run into you rather than... Just yeah. basic, no-nonsense defending, uh, but also able to play with the football at his feet as well. And I, honestly, I hope this becomes a theme of the season because I think I'm... I tweeted actually when we sold him, I said, don't fall in love with a lone player do not fall in love with a lone player but I'm dangerously starting to fall in love with Sepp van den Berg yeah I pretty much only fall in love with lone players these days um, if we you know think about lone players in general but let's uh, not do that let's talk about Nelson Viper one of our youth academy graduates um, as has been mentioned is his first appearance um, as a starter in the team and I think it's really good to see a lot more of him because you know we've seen a couple of his games with the under 19s uh, last year we saw 20 minutes here and there off the bench from in the Bundesliga, but I think to really get an impression of someone's game at the top level, you really need to see them play against top opposition and for a long period of time. Uh, and I saw him do a lot more of the hard yards yep. yesterday than I've seen him do at any other point um, yep. as a Mainz player so far. Yeah, I'd agree with you totally. He ran well. He ran the channels well. Um, he battled as well. Like He wasn't shy. He, he went in for... Um, for balls that he needed to go in for and made sure that the defence knew he was there. Um, didn't get really get a chance, but like for the, for the goal, for example, he was a nuisance. He was in and around the goalkeeper making sure that uh, he was at least battling for the ball. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more to come for him. I think there's certain parts of his game um, that still need to be to be worked on. They need a bit of bit of a final touch. But if he was the perfect 18-year-old footballer, then 
with all due respect, he probably wouldn't be playing for Mainz anyway. Um, so no, he I, th- I thought he looked very solid. No complaints about his performance whatsoever. Yeah, me too. Um, I think the the thing that I would like to see with him is that like the couple of times that he's come on and just sort of had a chance and shot. He's had a great finish on him. Um, I think the when I saw him for the under-19s a little bit last season, um, I was always a little bit sort of disappointed when he had a lot of time to think about what to do, that he wasn't making the right decisions. He was always trying to beat the extra man or get a slightly better shot on goal, uh, which never to sense, uh, seems to work out. Um, but as he plays more and more pro football, he didn't really have a chance to sort of get a shot off yesterday in, in, in much of that way. But when he did, he obviously nearly won a penalty and, uh, that you know quite rightly was taken back. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him develop as the season goes on, and the fact he's made such a good account of himself for an hour seventy minutes at home against a, a good team, I think can only bode well for him. Um, so really excited to see how that goes. If we go into the second half, I think Frankfurt did start the brighter though. Yeah, they did. They it was one of those classic team goes in one 0 up at half time, and the losing team comes out. They've been bollocked at half time, and they come out trying to prove the point, and that's exactly what Frankfurt did. Um, but again, I don't think they really created anything hugely of note apart from the Moani, Colo Moani header, um, which he flicked just wide of the post. You know, we were having throwbacks to, to Union and thought, oh no, ball into the box. With <laughs> yeah, strikers got up a, for a while as He well, did. Yeah. The strikers got up a bunch of the centre half and thought, oh no, here we go again. Um, but he flicked it fairly well wide in the end. Um, yeah, it was like I watched it back and it was like a, a long way wide. Um, it, looked a really, lot, it looked a lot worse in, yeah. in time. But yeah. Um, so yeah he missed that header he, also, he missed from a corner as well it was sort of cleared within the six yard box mm. um, before Knauf put one um, way over the sort of top of the goal um, we had a chance through um, Cor and then Barrero um, I think Cor had a bicycle kick sort of just go over yeah a bit of a half um, chance wasn't it yeah uh, and then uh, Barrero a bit more of a guilt edged one but tough angle as well tough angle could have played it to Viper it was I think it was one of those you can look at either way unfortunately he's ended up putting it wider than near post um, yeah. in the context of the game got to do better got to, got to at least force a corner from that maybe um, but you know is what it is. Yeah, and then really the game kind of could have changed at this moment. It made me a lot more comfortable, but then obviously probably for the wrong reasons. Um, there was the red card. So Knalford uh, fouled someone earlier on on a counter and got a yellow card um, and then decided to sort of kick the ball at head height uh, while Barrera was going in for a header, um, got a second yellow. Frankfurt arranged because Barrera decided to touch Knauf in the build-up. That's obviously never a foul, so you can't really complain about it. But. Yeah, they were they were asking, they thought he tugged him back in the... But it was, it was one of those kind of like 50-50s. Players are all over each other anyway. When the ball bounces loose, um, yeah. you know, and, and then Barrero's... He's leaned in slightly to the ball, but... He's heading the ball. <laughs> he's, he's gone to head yeah. the ball. He's gone to win the football, and, and Knauf's foot has come into a position where it has no right in being anyway, um, and, and he's made contact. So the, the But the bitching that was from the Frankfurt players throughout the entire game um, was, was bad, and, and then obviously they surrounded the referee. I think all 11 might have had a word with the referee, which I don't think I've ever seen before, an entire team have yeah. a word it with a referee like that. It took a long like time that. for him to go off. He was just, Knafford just stood there. It's like, mate, you're not, there's no VAR check for a second yellow. So like, no, what exactly. are you doing? Go, go away. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think I shouted, you know, he's, he's, he's been booked like four or five times before he was like, oh yeah, okay, I'll reach into the back pocket, off you go, mate. And and even after he'd been sent off, he was still stood there for two minutes with hands on his hips. Yeah. Like, go on, I mean, mate. 
the, the weird thing is as well, like, so the referee gives him the yellow card. He then walks around, points at Barrero's head to be like, you've kicked him there. Yeah. And, and then goes around and shows him the red. Like, <laughs> just to prove just, the just, point. Well, I mean, just because the Frankfurt players weren't sort of letting him through. But I mean, it, was, yeah. it was a ridiculous moment. But anyway, it's, it's the sort of thing that, like, at that point, um, you know, Frankfurt had to make a few changes and took some, some of their better players. I think Goetze came off shortly after. Yep. Uh, Kolo Mouani came off as well. And you, you're just hoping that that means that we can sort of hang on, hopefully get another one to make it comfortable. Uh, and it didn't quite happen. I think what we now need to discuss probably is our defense, our substitutions, yep. which uh, I think is maybe where we kind of have a little bit of criticism mm-hmm. in terms of these didn't work out. Yeah. Um, it's one of those situations where I, th- I feel like the game was not necessarily won, um, but we definitely had the upper hand. Um, the Leitch coming off I can't remember exactly when he came off but he, he'd gone down a couple of times and looked like he had problems and you know that's been shown afterwards in after the match that he'll be missing uh, at least for the Bremen game next weekend but he looked to have a couple of issues uh, which meant he had to come off and then Movina first game back I don't hasn't ha- had a pre-season at PSV hadn't really well, had yeah. a pre-season I don't know how much football he'd been playing at PSV last season anyway um, but he'd, he'd been Excellent, I thought, throughout the game, um, and was then replaced by Danny DaCosta. Um, yeah, I, I I find it difficult to to discuss the defence and, and look at Bo and say, you know, did you need to make those changes? I don't think we needed to make them. Um, to blame somebody for that, uh, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, tough. I'm, I'm not throwing blame around. It's more of a, I think this is where the wrong changes are maybe made at slightly the wrong time in terms of... Yeah. So, so Viper, Viper comes off, obviously. There's not much you can do in terms of replacing him with another striker. And then I think Gruder comes on and actually does quite well in terms of gets into quite a lot of positions, is being constantly fouled throughout. Um, can't really criticise his performance because he was kind of continuing what Viper was doing, but just in a different way because they're different players with different styles. Um, so there's not much you can do there. But I think, yeah, in terms of Mavina coming off uh, for DaCosta, I think... Uh, you know, the Costa received quite a lot of flack for his performance against Union, uh, and yeah, I would have liked to have at least seen him sort of try and play a little bit better than when well, not, not try, but like play a bit better than he did against Union, which didn't yep. work out. And then I think just the defense just seemed to be constantly being reshuffled because we brought on yep. another two centre backs after that point, but not at the same time. One one of them was literally like two minutes afterwards. I think Bell came on two minutes after Hansel's, and but both of them led to a reshuffling of the defense. And I think that kind of mess. Messaging, yeah. When you can just take a beat to just put people on at the same time, I just I don't really understand why that's happening. And I think yeah. eventually, I, I you know, they, the, I think the reshuffling consistently in that that point probably didn't help. And then yeah, just the yeah the, the fact that we just didn't kill the game off. Plus that, I think just yeah, I, in my heart of hearts, I kind of was really dreading injury time, and so it proved to be. Yeah, it's, it, I I know it from from my teenage years playing football manager. Golden rule number one is you, if you're one nil up, don't change the centre back. <laughs> like that's the, the one position. If you're narrowly winning a game, don't touch the centre halves. If you've not conceded a goal, they're doing something correctly. Um, I, I feel with like Leitchi coming off, I think he had to because of the injury problems. But then changing up a second centre half as well, it's it, it leaves too many questions for me. I think you're exactly right with just unnecessarily reshuffling for the sake of reshuffling. The two forward-thinking substitutions were very good. I think Lee had done his job. He'd run for 70 minutes, burnt his tank out a little bit, get Richter on there, who who offers slightly different qualities um, for 20 minutes. Viper, 18-year-old kid, 
you know, it could probably run for the 90 minutes, but it's more physical than running for 90 minutes in the under-19s division. So, you know, thanks for to your performance today. You've done a good job, mate. Let's, we just need to change it up. Gruder came on um, and did exactly what we expect of him, just be an exciting player, um, look to take the man on. Another case with, with like, with Viper, for example, possibly not playing the ball um, as early as we'd like him to play the ball. Oh, quite, 100%. Possibly in trying case, to beat yeah. one man too many. I know one case he he got fouled. Well, he wasn't fouled. He went down on the edge of the box and was uh, called out for, for a dive. Wasn't booked for the dive, but that's what the referee had decided he'd done. Um, but, you, we, you know, we're screaming at him because Richter had got out on the left outside of him. And he's like, play the ball, move the ball, move the ball. And he's looked to beat the man or at least win the contact rather than play the ball you know the golden rule number two is the ball is quicker than the man just get rid of it you know move it and he's not done that and um i I think with him it's the the classic thing of you want him to be sort of in a partnership with someone who's a little bit bit more experienced wily sort of knows when to release the ball knows when to make the run and make the call Um, and this leads me on to a a tweet from sophie uh, which says do you think Mainz are potentially relying too much on Dijok? The game yesterday really should have been put to bed, so it's worrying to think about where the goals will come from. I think where I want to go with this is, obviously, we, we can't do anything about the fact that he pulled up in the warm-up yesterday mm. and didn't play. Um, but he is really the only like out-and-out striker in the squad. I Obviously, Inesivo is also a striker and was missing with the flu. Um, but he's much more of a player who wants to play in the pocket and play, play in sort of the, yeah, I guess the half space, if you want to call it like that uh, whereas uh, I think um, Ajorx the one of the guys that you would have sort of occupying the centre halves um, and I think it's, it's one of those things where you, you wanted enough you wanted one of those to stay on uh, towards the end of the game and then with him not being there and then Viper probably not being ready to play a full 90 in the, the league yet it kind of led us into a, it put us into a difficult spot especially when you're then going to have sort of talented players, but still young players and inexperienced players um, where you, you, I don't know, they don't, maybe aren't sort of in the structure yet of, of how you want an attack to be in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a certain extent because you are looking at Ajork as potentially being the only kind of classic number nine. He's pretty much going to have to play every game that he's fit, right? Exactly, you know, with with the with Johnny Borka out um, and with Ingvartsen having left the club, you are missing that kind of central point of the three with of what Svensson likes to play with the the two running off the back of the like I say the classic nine um and and Viper looks like he will be that player um but he is like we say he's 18 years old and he he needs to to come into the game first before he'll become that player I have full trust in him to be it one day I'm just not 100% sure that he's there just yet and obviously like I said previously you wouldn't expect an 18 year old to be there just yet um whether we rely too much on a Jork, I don't know, because there is so much attacking talent behind him. You know, Oni Zivo's scored goals for, for the last few seasons for a reason. Um, Lee pops up with goals. Um, Gruder and Viper will both score goals eventually. You've got Borkart, who, you know, hopefully may, may not come back from injury one day. We'll see. Um, so we have players in the squad that will score goals. We just need to find the right combination um, to make sure that going forward they do that. And, and one of those things is going to be hoping, A, that Ajork's injury isn't too serious, B, that Borkart comes back earlier than potentially hoped, or C, 
we have a rethink about what we do in terms of going forward because if you want to continue with the three with the two running off of the off the main striker and you haven't got a main striker that offers enough that can hold the ball up and allow the two to run off of him then that needs a slight change up so. yeah I mean I think I think I would just I'd be tempted we'll, we'll come on to this later but I'd be tempted to just see is there anyone out there that would be happy to play 20 minutes off the bench as a bit more of an experienced option just to see games out um, and then you do like I say I think the goals are in the team um, but I think sometimes it's about closing out a game as well. And 100%. You, need, you need that know-how sometimes. So, um, yeah, different challenges will come at different times. And uh, unfortunately, this time we didn't meet it. Um, Frankfurt equalised in injury time, 91st minute. So we've gone from the very first thing to one of the very, very last things. Um, da Costa um, is beaten down the flank. Um, Hanjar Olsen loses his man, uh, Marmouche. Um, he sort of peels away, um, has a basically a tap in, um, while our defence are sort of a little bit ball watching. Unfortunately, again, um, I don't think there's much positive we can say about the goal. Unfortunately, no, it's, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? We've we've played so well and we've largely defended very well for ninety minutes, um, and it comes from the reshuffling, like you say. Da Costa's at fault for me. The ball inside him, he's not he's not sure where the ball's going. He's not sure where the man's going. And the lad's got beyond him. He's not made enough of attempt for me to foul the man before he gets into the box. Once he's beyond him, bring him down. You know, we're in the last, we were 1-0 up with two minutes left, three minutes left. Just stop the man at all costs. And he doesn't do enough there. Hanscher Olsen, I don't know, the, Marmouche's movement is clever. Just the classic, just, come, away, yeah. just come into the near post, stop and move back out again. Just You get taught this from 11, 12 years old, just basic striker movement. Um... And, and once the ball hits his feet, he's only got one thing, and that's to steer it back across the goalkeeper into the bottom corner. Um, no, there's no positives to say, really. I'm, I'm hugely disappointed um, conceding a goal like that. And just how undeserved the equaliser was as well. You know, yeah. we, Is there any big chance, really? Exactly. You know, I, I felt we, we certainly deserved the point, um, and I would go as far as to say we deserved the three points over the course of the game. Um, so to concede such a sloppy goal at the end... Um, yeah, yeah. It's the sort of, of draw that we would have probably, if it's boxing, would have probably won on points. But uh, yeah. in this case, you need to see out a game, and that sometimes means shutting it down and yeah, not allowing chances like that or getting a second goal, which we didn't do. Uh, so I've already mentioned the sort of player that I would like to see come in uh, in the final week of the window. We only have, uh, I think, as this comes out, probably about three more days left of the um, summer transfer window. Um, should we expect any more business in your? Iron, is there a position in the squad that you'd like to see filled? Um, well, the rumours have come out today that, that Hoffenheim are in for Anton Stach and quite seriously in for Anton Stach, apparently. Um, after a couple of weeks of rumours, he's going to move to Bergamo to join Atalanta in Italy. Um, so I think uh, a player of his kind of in his position wouldn't necessarily be the worst piece of business. I think there's there's one of the reasons that Marco Richter's come in. Um, it's a, to kind of um, of those forward-thinking players, if Stark's not going to play in the midfield, then in terms of because he played, he's played higher on Sunday um, in in the two behind the behind the main striker. Um, I think the squad's fairly solid already. For me, I don't think there needs to immediately be one position. It, at this point, it's it's very much uh, a player that improves the squad, but doesn't have. We don't have to bring anyone in apart from potentially a left back. Um, to bolster that position in behind Cassie. But Cassie can play it right back because he's right-footed anyway. And Vane has come in and proved his point that he's very good. Um, potentially a full-back, um, but I'm not 
I have I have no screaming concerns in the in the eleven or in the squad at the moment. Okay, and then if we move on to Bremen, obviously we've discussed that Azure and um, Leitch will be missing from that. Um, they've had uh, a slightly more difficult start to us in the season with uh, three losses from their three games. Um, obviously, one of them was against Bayern, so you kind of would price that in a little bit. Um, what do we take from their difficult start to the season? Because I honestly don't really want to play a team that has had a bad start. I, yeah, it's like you say, they've played Bayern, so we can't take too much from that. Um, and we're two games into the season, I don't know. It, I think the the most disappointing thing about the Frankfurt game, not necessarily the, the last-minute equaliser, is that that was an important chance for three points. Um, because we're now going into the, the Bremen game, having been decimated, basically, by Union. Um, very disappointing dropping of two points against Frankfurt. And now we're going into a team that are going to be up for it anyway, because they need to kickstart their season at some point. And we're looking at ours going, well, we need to kickstart our season at some point. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Bremen game was a classic who can kick harder, who's going to fight harder in the midfield, who wants the ball more, who wants the goal more um, to go on and get these three points. Yeah, it'd be an interesting one for sure. Um, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Um, As some housekeeping as well, the episode for that we will be releasing slightly later because I'm on holiday. Uh, for the weekend so we will not be able to gather in my kitchen and uh, chat about what happened until a little bit later on but some positives is that we'll be able to have fought through some really good points by the time that comes out uh, <laughs> and discuss you know transfer window um, how the season started um, and then look ahead to after the international break which is very very quickly going to be upon us uh, and yeah the continuing season it's, it's an exciting time Sheridan absolutely there's only excitement in Connor's kitchen well, that there is. Uh, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, and uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's reconvene next week. Lovely. Have a good one. Bye.